Good afternoon, y'all. Welcome to episode two of the Janae Franco Show. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Your support and love after last week was just so overwhelming, and I just want to thank you so much for showing up and for listening. And if this is your first time listening, feel free to go back and catch the old show, um, the first show on either on YouTube or uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on Buzzsprout. I have some of the links of that on my Instagram bio. If you go there, then you should be able to access it. But um, welcome. Welcome. Today, as you may have seen, we are going to talk about how to recover when anger turns you into an angry monster. (laughs) So I know that I'm not the only one that's experienced anger. Um, And just as a reminder, I want to say I am not a therapist. I just want to share a little bit of my journey with anger um, as particularly... I won't really necessarily talk about this today, but I have learned that anger is often tied to anxiety, which is something that I have struggled with in my life. And um, I just want to share my my own experience with this complicated emotion. I was reminded yesterday as I was doing the group coaching call with the Metanoia Catholic Academy, uh, Erin Ingold was coaching and she was talking about anger. And it's complicated because it is actually a mixture of sorrow and hope. So the sorrow is that there is an evil upon me and I cannot do anything about it. And the hope is that I can change this. Um, uh, and I'll, oftentimes that comes out as taking power or vengeance, um, and it can come out in a really negative way. Uh, it's a very common surface emotions and many, many ugly things can be found underneath anger. And that's a little bit of what I'm gonna share today is just my experience with it and my ongoing journey of how I keep finding things under this big, ugly rock in my life. So I think it's something that we all deal with. Uh, Like I said, um, I feel like it was pretty common to think as a young mom, like I'm going to yell at my kids um, because everybody just kind of talks about it as a totally normal thing. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's true. There are certain things, uh, certain themes, I think, that have really come up for me along my journey. There's uh, repentance, awareness, prayer, healing, and mind management. Those are kind of the five things that I found have helped me or that I've um, been able to use to find a little bit more freedom from anger in my life. Uh, so first, I'm going to talk about my experience with anger in my motherhood. So this is a very emotional moment in my life that I just, it's like I can touch it and I can feel it. I remember sitting, uh, we had been in Cleveland a couple of years. I just joined a lovely group of ladies in an organization called Side by Side. Um, And we were having a Bible study and I was sitting there with my warm tea. They had a babysitter downstairs. I think the kids were there. Um, I had a two-year-old, I think I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old at the time. And we were talking about what we were gonna give up for Lent. And I remember saying that I was going to give up yelling for Lent because I had been just really convicted that I had to say no. I had to just stop. It had been horrible. Okay. Now keep in mind, I had a six month old. Okay. So I tried. There's this, um, she, I found her website last night when I was researching for this episode and it was the orange rhino challenge. And you would put these orange rhinoceroses up throughout your house. And the idea was that you would, you would notice the orange rhino and it would make you not yell because you would know that you committed to not yelling. It was, it's a challenge to like not yell for 365 days. I think it was. And man, like I failed miserably. 
at that. It seemed that anger was just something that I could not control. Now, again, remember I had a six month old and this is something I will be talking a little bit about um, as my own mental health journey, uh, my own journey with anxiety. And then also in this particular instance, postpartum depression and anxiety. One thing I did not know was that there is something called postpartum rage. And that is exactly what I was dealing with at the time. So although I already had kind of a propensity for yelling at my kids, because it's it's been a struggle all 10 years in my motherhood, I would, I would guess I would say, well, not 10, because I didn't yell at my infants <laughs> for a few months, I guess, at least until the postpartum depression, uh, you know, caught up with me. But um, that diagnosis of postpartum depression um, really helped because I didn't realize how much of what I was experiencing with the rage of like, you you have just anger that comes out of nowhere and it might not even be related to your kids. It might be when you're in traffic, when you're um, grocery shopping and somebody is taking too long at the checkout line and it feels like this just seething, like it feels just like this otherworldly, like another person inside of you that's like trying to break out almost. And once I was able to get treated for postpartum depression, a lot of that really was able to I was able to control it. I was able to have a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more control over the way that I responded um, to my children. So it got better enough that it was like normal amount of yelling, right? Like not crazy yelling. It was just like, well, everybody yells at their kids, right? At least that's what I believed. And um, thankfully it just kind of, yeah, it got normal for a while. So fast forward about five years. Um, I had been dealing with it. A little bit. Um, and I've been going to my spiritual director for confession for a little while. And he one day just after confession was like, I really think you there's something underneath the anger. And I had really never thought about this. Really, I just thought anger, you know, stood alone and that it was bad and all of this. And so I really was like, okay, um, I'm going to think about that because I was at this desperate, desperate point where I just kept bringing it back to confession over and over and over again. And I felt so much shame and guilt for it because I could not figure out how to break the cycle, how to break the spiral. And I felt like I had no way out. I mean, just like in Romans seven verses 14 and 15, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal sold under sin. I do not understand my actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And I felt like I was in a prison, just like St. Paul describes it. I didn't have control over it. Um, and I didn't understand at that point in time um, how much my emotions could be connected, were connected to my thoughts and to the things around me and how much space I actually could put between my emotion. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas calls it a passion. Aaron Ingold and Matt Ingold talk a lot about it in, again, the Metanoia Catholic uh, coaching podcast, as well as the Academy, pretty much anything they do. And that's been really life-changing for me to be able to realize that oftentimes there's a circumstance that happens, like your baby's crying and you, you know, can't do what they want you to do or something. Uh, and maybe, or maybe the sister, you know, sisters are fighting. And so you're, feeling is, emo- is like your emotion is anger, but there's actually a thought in between there. And that's kind of the journey that I've been on is understanding what is underneath all those things. So this priest friend of mine 
brought this up. And so I just started digging because at this time I was really journaling a lot. Um, I had my daily prayer time. I was, I just was making a lot of space for that healing because I just was in this desperate place where I knew I wanted to be a better mom for my kids. And I, I wanted to do whatever it would take to get there. So I found this book called Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz uh, of the JP2 Healing Center. And this was really, really powerful for me. I found it uh, because I listened regularly to the Biting Together podcast at the time. And they talk a lot about healing and brokenness and wounds and those sorts of things, which were really helpful for me at the time. So part of his book uh, that really spoke to me was that he talks about the seven deadly sins, pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth, and how often there's lots of things hiding behind them. So he says this, each of the deadly sins hides deeper insecurities in each of our lives. Are you using anger are you aware of what you are hiding through your specific deadly sins? If you use anger to gain power and control, my guess is that you struggle with feelings of powerlessness and fear. And when I read that, I remember thinking, whoa, this guy has read my mind. Because that is exactly what I started seeing connections uh, you know, of. So where I had been blissfully, blissfully ignorant, um, or not so blissfully because there was so much pain in my life. You know, I was living out of that pain, but I didn't know how to get out of it. God was showing me where these unintentional agreements that I had made with myself at a young age uh, were poisoning my adulthood. And so I started, the awareness was just one after the other, after the other. And it felt like scales falling from my eyes. And there was just so much that I could see. It was, it was hard to not be discouraged some days. I don't know if you guys have ever been there where, you start to realize maybe where you're sinning in your life or where you're struggling. And then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Um, there's actually a part of your brain called the reticular activator. It's like, if you're buying an SUV, then you start seeing that SUV everywhere. So it's kind of like that. You start to, you all of a sudden have this realization that God has given you um, about your anger, your yelling, whatever. And then you start to see where it's happening everywhere. And then you, for me anyway, I started spiraling backwards where I was, blaming myself and then feeling all this guilt and shame for having that reaction. But at the same time, I was also trying to dig through it and figure out what else was going on. So as the scales fell from my eyes and I was learning more from Dr. Bob Schutz, he talks about expressed anger, hidden anger, and then the root of sin. So the expressed anger is things like verbal abuse, insults, uh, slander, rage, revenge, retaliation, murder, violence, malice, gossip, all of those things. And then hidden anger Looks a lot like self-righteousness, believing that you're better than other people, uh, judgment, bitterness, bitterness, resentment. Resentment was another big one for me that I began to uncover. Depression, suicide, sickness, and other diseases. Uh, that high level of anger and anxiety in your body is just not, it's not healthy. Uh, and it's shown to, to make you sicker. So on top of those things, is or underneath all of those things is the root of the sin. So it's ungodly self-reliance, uh, at least for anger. Like, well, the root of the sin is Adam and Eve ate the apple. They were relying on themselves and not on God, even though God had said that he was trustworthy and that he loved them and he wanted the best for them. But then Eve started questioning that because of Satan's influence. And so there you go. You rely on yourself. And I started uncovering a lot of ways that I was relying on myself um, before I was relying on God, even though I was praying and even though I looked like I was a faithful Christian woman at this point, but I am even still am uncovering multiple roots of ungodly self-reliance um, that just keep coming up 
time and time again in my life. So when he's connecting these things, these deadly sins, he connects them to the seven deadly wounds because underneath these sins are going to be usually some kind of a wound, some kind of a trauma. And that's abandonment, fear, powerlessness, hopelessness, confusion, rejection, and shame. When we are wounded, he says, we often internalize messages about ourselves. This in turn deeply affects our identity, the way that we see ourselves. So for me in particular, um, part of my wound from childhood was an, uh, an incident that happened to my father and really just changed our world overnight. And so in that moment, I felt, not at the time, but looking back as an adult and going back into that moment, I can see that I felt that God had abandoned me that he had abandoned our family and that he had not provided for us um, safety. And so I became instantly fearful of the world. Um, and I decided as a child, not really having full reason, that I was just going to take care of everything myself. And I was going to have to take care of everything myself because God was not going to do it. But I still, but it was like this little room, right? That I like closed and I locked the door and I was like, we're not going to touch that. And then just go on with the rest of my life. And I mean, I had a relationship with God all these years. I tried to love Jesus the best I knew how. I never even knew that this was happening until God knew I was in the right place in my life to deal with it. And so once I started becoming aware, I dove into the emotions in prayer and I just begged God to heal me because I knew how broken I was. Oh, yes. The book I mentioned, I will. Um, it's called Be Healed. Bob shoots, and I am not going to spell that right, <laughs> but, um, and I'll put it in the show notes too. So if you want to, if you want to check that out, that was definitely one of the first steps for me. So another thing that he starts to talk about when we, when we make these agreements with ourselves, um, we turn our gaze inwards instead of toward God. So we don't trust God with everything, right? It's like, you can say, okay, I trust God with X, Y, and Z, but this one, I'm just going to hold to myself. And really, he wants all of our hearts. He wants all of it. So Dr. Bob reminds us, we cannot overcome the deadly sins easily or on our own. We need to be brought continually. Those need to be brought continually into the light through encounters with Jesus. Self-reliance will never heal us since it is the foundation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the very source of our brokenness and sin. Yeah, it just needs to be brought into the light. You know, I, I I often, there's this analogy, it's not complete in my head, but I think of it as like a big house or mansion um, with all these rooms and because our brains are so full of different rooms and it's like God wants to shine the light on every corner in every room in every closet under all the dust, anything that we've shut, shut up away from him. Um, he wants to reach every piece of us, you know, and it's a lifelong journey. It's not going to happen all at one time, but going into this awareness of all these things has really been what's helped me begin to walk to the door, think about unlocking it, opening the door and then, you know, letting him in to that. So the next piece for me, that's been really, really helpful on my own journey with anger has been the Catholic Psych Institute founded by Dr. Greg Botero. So last week I mentioned that Leah Darrow had a podcast and she uh, introduced me to Lisa Canning, who is incredible. 
And again, on Leah Dara's podcast, I found Dr. Greg Botero. And I wouldn't, I'm just never going to be the same because Catholic Psych has really, was really the first introduction of, for me, I had done different kinds of counseling, secular counseling, and they were fine, but there was just something missing. There was definitely, I had this acknowledgement from reading Be Healed that there was something so much deeper that I really needed to dive into. And Catholic Psych was able to really give me that. I started a little bit with his, uh, Dr. Greg's book, The Mindful Catholic, which is really just about acknowledging the presence of God with us at every single moment of our lives. Like, that's all it is, is it's not emptying your mind, but it's really filling your mind with the presence of God, no matter what you're struggling with. And also explaining how our brains work, because I had never really thought about my emotions or um that the way that my brain worked was something that was very unique, not just to me, but also as humans, there's also like a very common thread between all of that. So I took his courses. I uh, enrolled in six months of counseling or I I enrolled in counseling, not knowing how long it was going to take. And it took about six months to really unearth a lot of this stuff. Thankfully it was on zoom. It was right before COVID hit a couple of months. And so I was able to have that support during that time when it was really, really tough for, for me, I mean, as the whole world really, to be all of a sudden trapped in our, our houses. Um, and for me with four young kids, because my husband was in healthcare and so he's, he's there um, all the time. And so this really was the conduit of God's grace to really continue to enter my life. They have since changed their format uh, into a little bit more of a what they call psycho-spiritual consulting. So they have their therapists that are able to help people. It's not technically called therapy, but if you're interested in something like that, my therapist was just really able to completely integrate my faith in God with my wounds. And that was the biggest help because I needed to see how these things were connected. I am harder to hear. Um, Let me see if there's a little. Hmm. I'm just going to keep going and hope that you can hear me later. Um, so going back to Catholic psych. So, okay. So the next thing I want to talk about, we talked a little bit about healing, about awareness, about repentance, especially. Um, just let me know if it gets to where you cannot hear me. Uh, but I'm just going to keep going because I don't really know the technology side as well as I would like yet. So um, I can unplug my microphone if it is necessary, but I don't know if it'll interrupt the stream. So again, going back to anger, right? We're here to talk about how you're going to recover when anger turns you into a monster. Ultimately, God is our healer. We cannot fix ourselves. We have to how we have to continue to learn to place ourselves at the foot of the cross. And so really daily prayer with scripture is a non-negotiable for me uh, across the board. Um, if you want to grow in your life, spiritual life, if you want to grow closer to God, like we have to spend time. It's like a friendship or a relationship, it's, you know, your spouse. Um, oftentimes you can feel like roommates, right? But so you have to have those times that you're able to really connect with one another. It can be difficult, but 
it has to happen. And it's the same with God. Like we have to make that time, even when we don't feel like it, even if we might be like mad and, you know, we're upset with God, maybe about a circumstance in our life. And, um, but we have to make that time. So simply presenting ourselves and all of our weaknesses is really what God wants. That is the best way to diffuse that guilt and shame. I remember having this moment this summer with yelling, like I just lost it. And then the weekend got progressively more spiraling. My husband was, was working all weekend and I was with the kids and it was like, every time I would yell, then the next time I would yell, it would be even worse. And then the next time I would yell, it was even worse. And I was like, why am I spiraling? And I, I tried to break the cycle. Um, and I tried to have prayer time, but it was really hard because I couldn't really get away from my kids. And I wasn't, I mean, I was just in a frenzy at this point. So thankfully by Monday, things had kind of died down and I was able to bring it to my mentor and my coach. And I was like, okay, help me out here. And we talked about it for a while. And one of her suggestions to me was to apologize immediately. And also, yeah, apologize immediately. Even if I was feeling like if I'm still feeling angry, like if I have an outburst and then just be like, okay, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. I'm really frustrated about something. It's not your fault. You know, even if you're just still wound up. And that really was able to put some space between my thought or the feeling of the anger and my reaction to them. And so I started trying that and that really helped diffuse the situation a lot quicker. Um, so a couple of other things that are helpful is if I'm able to step back, once I get some silence, the prayer from Dr. Greg Butera's book, ever present God, here with me now, help me to be here with you. That is really one of my favorite prayers. Um, especially to just pause in the moment and remember that he's with me all the time. And if he's with me, then I shouldn't be afraid. I don't need to be afraid. And that God's love is actually mercy. So, we can always come back to God's love. That was a big realization for me. Um, I remember coming out of coaching that day and realizing, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, another thing that we talked about in coaching that day was how I was not forgiving myself. So I yelled at my kids. And then the reason it was spiraling was because I was beating myself up about it. So at the same time, so I'm getting more and more mad at myself and I'm more and more guilty, which made me more and more frustrated internally, which meant that I was more inclined to yell, not believing that God really wanted to be with me in my like total ugliness. Right. I mean, when you yell or when anybody yells at their kids, it's like, you, you I mean, nobody wants to do it really. Uh, when you lose your temper or you have an outburst, nobody really wants to do it. And so I realized that that guilt and shame, that weakness that I felt that I couldn't control was an opportunity for me to come to God as I was like completely broken. I remember or this morning I got um, coffee at this place that put scriptures on the cups and I thought it was really relevant. Um, the scripture was Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't say like, once we're better, once we're perfect, 
once we're not yelling anymore. And so the goal kind of shifted from, of course, I wanted to not yell at my kids as much. And my 10 year old, well, she's not 10. My nine year old will agree that I had definitely yell a whole lot less. Uh, but to keep trying, to keep getting back up again, to keep asking for forgiveness, to keep relying on the mercy that God wants to show me. I had to come to terms with that because I didn't, as a recovering perfectionist, I didn't want to show him my ugly. Like that was like that little room that was in the mansion that I wanted to lock the door and hide it was, okay, I'm not perfect. And if I'm not perfect and I don't do things perfectly, then you're not going to love me. So I've got to hide it away and I've got to pretend like I'm perfect. And I've got to approach you all put together with my makeup on and my nice outfit and just stoicism and all of like, I just got to approach you that way. Um, and it sounds extreme, but, but I mean, I really just never noticed that I was doing this until I did. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I've got to fix this. I've got to, I've got to let God fix this piece of me is believing that God's judgment is mercy. His judgment is not condemning or yelling or whatever. And so there was a lot of other things that I uncovered with that, but I think that's the biggest thing I would love to convey about this topic of how you're going to, how, how to recover from an angry outburst. I don't know. Maybe there's, I would love for y'all to share with me if this is something that resonates with you. If you also find yourself spiraling and maybe you don't know right now, but pay attention, pay attention the next time you start yelling, maybe if it's a, a day or a weekend or you're under a lot of stress and, and there's a time frame. I would love to hear if that is something that you also notice that you do. And what was able to really stop that spiral was repenting. You know, as soon as I could, if I was in the moment and I had all the kids, obviously it might not be right away, or it was just a quick like prayer in my head. You know, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry that I, that I did that. Please forgive me. And just relying on his mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in your mercy. I trust that you're going to be there for me because you say that you came for sinners. You came not for the righteous, but for sinners. You came for the sick and I'm sick. I'm a sinner. So I know it seems so simple, but it's just so important. And I think another thing is really just getting, getting to confession uh, as much as you, as you can. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I, if I'm not good about scheduling it or things, you know, get caught up, I'm like, why am I losing my temper so often? I think, oh, it's because I need to go back, go back to confession. And so really being aware of this is going to help you almost want, desire it more because the more and closer you get to his heart, like the more the sin makes you so sad and, and, and grieve how you're passing that along to your kids. So one of the other methods I just can't, I can't avoid talking about anymore, even if it's all through my notes, but um, is really the Metanoia Catholic ministry, business, ministry. Um, is, is their academy, their journal in particular. Uh, my coach, Lisa Canning, had been using them for a little while and I had tried it. I'm like, I like to journal, but I like open, wide open pages. And I just decided to give it a shot and start doing it. Even if it, you know, I, at first I was kind of doing it once a week, once every couple of weeks. So I'm just going to take you through a little bit of the exercises, but really 
when it comes to my prayer time, so this is part of how I processed these emotions or these thoughts. I started combining the Metanoia journal with my scripture study every day. And that was a huge game changer for my prayer time because the way that they have the exercises and you can jump around do them in different order, depending on the day and what you're feeling. But it really was like tilling the soil. It was like preparing the soil of my heart for the word of God so that it would land on good, fresh soil and not thorns and not a path to get trampled on. Um, and that's really what Metanoia Journal has been able to do for me. Some of the things that they are, are very general steps, right? They start with a success from the day before so that you can see how you are changing in a positive way. You start with 10 gratitudes. That's another challenge for me. Sometimes it's hard to come up with 10. Sometimes it's easy. Uh, sometimes all 10 are about like one person or one situation so that I can try and see as much good as I can. I remember one day I was struggling uh, just with my parenting. And so I wanted to put like at least a couple of things about each child that I was grateful for just to remember how much of a blessing they are, even on the hard days. Uh, the third step is contemplating your goals with God. So that's learning how to set goals with God in mind, with discernment, but also asking him what his plan is for your life. And then the next one is really one of my favorites. It's called the Daily Thought Recon. And they talk all about these. If, if you want to go to their Metanoia Catholic uh, or Catholic Coaching Podcast, I think is what it's called. Uh, they have quite a few podcasts on outlining all of these things and you can sign up and get their videos talking about all the details. But for me, uh, the daily thought recon, it's like <laughs> they talk about thoughts being slippery. And I never realized how slippery they were until I was trying to catch them in my own mind. And once you can catch them, it's, it's like they don't have power over you anymore because you can see either one, how ridiculous they are two apparently how true you, you think they are. And then you're able to really put some distance between yourself and that thought. And then once you have like maybe the most poisonous thought that you have written down, or even maybe the most inspirational, if it's a good thought, you, you take that thought and you reflect on how it's affected your life. Like what vices you engage in, what sins you do, if you think that thought, if you, how do you feel when you think that thought? Like the, the reality is when I get angry, that's a feeling. There's always a thought that's before that. Uh, Aaron Ingold is a life coach, um, is a life coach with the life coach school. I think it's what it's called. And the life coach school teaches something called the model. And it's called, it's five things. It starts with the circumstance. So that's a fact. That's a thing that's, that's actually happening to you. It goes to a thought. The thought leads to a feeling. The feeling leads to an action and the action leads to the result. And so what you want to do especially regarding, you know, anger is, is the feeling of anger. Actually two things come before it. It's the thought and the circumstance. And so, and she talks a lot more detail about what all of those things are, but for the purposes of this podcast, that feeling of anger, there's going to be a thought before it. And what I like, what I've really liked to do with my journaling, and this is kind of what I did before in my journaling, but just less focused was understanding what that thought was. Did I feel like something was unfair? Was I resenting my kids? Was I um, frustrated because my husband was staying at work again? Was I like, what was I actually thinking about? And that's what that thought recon is really nice is you just put it all like all the reality out onto paper. You don't worry about how horrible it sounds, you know, or how silly it is. Like you just, you just get it out. And then from there, 
you're able to see like, okay, when I think this, then yeah, I do feel angry. And then when I'm angry, what do I do? I yell at my kids. Um, anyway, so I think it's just, I'll be probably talking more about it later because it's something that I do every day. Um, so once you do capture that thought, then you're able to enter into this release, repent and renounce exercise, uh, which I think makes it just incredible. Um, to be able to repent those lies that we're believing, repent of those lies. And it just allows you to enter into this place where you invite God into that. They call it metanoia. It's just the Greek word for repentance. And you really just ask God, like, where are you in this situation? And where, where can I find you more? And yeah. And so that really, that journal, I just highly recommend it. I'll put the link to the the free journal download in the comments, because I really think anybody that's trying to manage their thoughts and especially dealing with anger, being able to understand why you're, you're thinking what you're thinking and doing what you're doing is, is just essential to make taking any steps forward. Um, you know, when I really think about it, just as I was preparing for today, the feeling of anger has really been a gift in a lot of ways. Um, not obviously what I do with it, not yelling at my kids, but we all have those feelings and the feeling of anger has really led me to what was underneath that for a lot of years. For me, it was a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. I didn't want to feel sadness about the change that happened to me um, as a child. I didn't want to grieve because it was too painful because I hadn't really allowed myself to. And that's why I think it took a while to work through this. But that feeling and bringing that to Christ has really allowed him to break my heart open to just receiving his love. And that's what he wants from us is he doesn't want us to be, to feel this condemnation. I mean, obviously we should feel guilt and sorrow for our sin and we should come to Jesus with that. But what he wants is just for us to love him more, to clear out those things that are keeping us from him so that we can love him more and we can receive his love in return so that we can be the moms that we want to be, that we can be the wives that we want to be so that we don't pass on our own wounds to our children. You know, for me, that was a big thing as I saw my anxiety, my anger, my yelling, all of those things, the outbursts, like I passed a lot of that on to my older two daughters and we're still working on rewiring a lot of that for them of me sort of teaching them and saying, okay, like it was not okay that I yelled. This is why I yell, you know, explaining like I'm feeling this. And so that's why maybe you're feeling these things. And that's why you're maybe wanting to yell at this point. So, it, you know, the feeling of anger is not wrong. It's what we do with it. So, and, and being a good mom, like I felt like I wasn't a good mom if I yelled. So that's why I feel like I stepped away from that goal to never yell. I mean, of course I never want to yell again. But the reality is, am I going to yell? Probably. Um, at least where I'm at, I yell a whole lot less, but I still yell a good bit because I'm very much in a motor. And that's very much how God made me. And it can be a really good thing, but it can also be a, you know, a bad thing if I choose to take that out on my kids. But my goal is not to be a good mom. It's to be a holy mom. And I think one of the best things we can do to teach our kids to that we're going to make mistakes and that we need to just get back up again ask for God's mercy, who he's like willing to give it to us. One of the things I always tell my kids when I'm apologize or when they're asking for my forgiveness is like, look in my eyes, look in my eyes. So they can see that I'm not like angry 
you know, at that point. Now, obviously, if I'm still angry, maybe that's not the right time. But um, yeah, so that, that they can look in my eyes and see my love for them and mercy for them. And I hope that that's just even just one glimmer of what God is like with us. Like when we come back to him, how much he wants to lavish his mercy and his love upon us. So yeah, that's that's a lot of my own story. I know it's a little bit of a rambling and um, I'm just going to go over a little bit some of the steps that I talked about before we go. So when I have an angry outburst, one of the very first things I do is repent, whether that's immediately and even really immediately to the child or the person that I, that I outburst to, even if I'm still feeling angry, maybe it's not the most immediate thing, but like even in a minute or two, like it really helps. So I don't start stewing. And then, and so to not worry about it being as authentic, because I, I mean, there have been times I've even come back and apologized again, or just had a conversation once I was really calm. Um, and then also to God in my heart, like asking forgiveness right away and just say, God, like I'm so sorry. I know I failed you. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. Jesus, I trust in you. Um, and then if you need to get to confession sooner rather than later. So repent. And then that's part of the prayer. A couple of my favorite prayers, Jesus, I trust in you, ever present God here with me now, help me to be here with you and daily prayer. Well, yeah. So just pray. If you can get to it right then, do it right then. If you need to wait until nap time or bedtime or the next morning, your prayer time, you know, examine that, come back to it. Then that leads to some awareness. Like, why did you do that? What was the trigger? Was there something happening before then? Were you frustrated about something else? How can you put some more space between your, whatever that circumstance was that, that triggered the yelling um, or the feeling of anger that led to the yelling? And what's that thought? How can you bring that thought to God to let him redeem that? It may not be immediately, but he's good and he's faithful to those things. And then really um, any tools that you can get for mind management. So again, repent, pray, become aware as soon as you're able, and then manage your mind, like make it a part of your daily routine to find resources that you can manage your mind with. Um, the Catholic Psych, Catholic Psych has a podcast. They talk a lot about their things there. Um, get some tools. He has workshops on Catholic mindfulness. He has two of them. Actually, they're both incredible. Uh, he has a daily, like daily virtual retreat. You can sign up for emails there. Uh, the woman's school was another really big piece for me because I was so imbalanced. There's so many, they talk about the eight different arenas of our lives. And I was so imbalanced that there was just so much friction and so much um, anger that was sort of floating around just from like, like confusion and being kind of lost and not having a lot of direction. And so the woman's school was a big piece of that mind management as well. And then also Metanoia Catholic that I've talked about today. I'll put links to these things again in the show notes and then therapy uh, if necessary, you know, if this is something that is really affecting your daily life, um, then absolutely find a therapist. There's so many great ones out there. If you're able to find a Catholic therapist, that's even better. Um, but definitely therapy has been a big piece of the pie for me. So I've enjoyed having you guys along. I hope that this has been helpful for you. If you liked the podcast, uh, feel free to subscribe, to like the video to follow me on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find the link to join my email list in the show notes. That way you'll know what's going on and when it's going on. And I look forward to seeing you for episode three next week. God bless.